Good afternoon. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker with Bakes Takes. Welcome to the podcast. It is Saturday, April 24th. It's great to uh, be back. Hope you're having a great weekend. Uh, why I do this real quick, uh, especially if you're new to the show, we have a lot of new subscribers, so welcome all of you. Uh, Bobby, Jack, and my sons, they're in their 20s, and uh, I speak to them and I invite you to listen in. They were uh, you know, recent graduates of undergraduate programs in um, uh, you know, business programs, and they and their friends would fire questions at me. Uh, you, you know, what's the tenure doing? What groups do you like? Uh, why are stocks down this week? And I'd, uh, I'd give them my opinions. I've been 25-plus uh, years on the buy side, mutual funds, institutional firms, hedge funds, kind of know where the bodies are buried. Uh, went through the 87 crash, had the hubris knocked out of me. Uh, and I started my journey, and I um, uh, was uh, just read everything I could get my hands on, went back for my MBA, and I was drawn to technical analysis because the technical guys and gals uh, weathered the 87 crash way better than the fundamental people did. That's just, I think it's a fact. And uh, so I go technicals first and fundamentals second. Technicals are reading the charts for the uninitiated, and it just works for me, and you decide what works for you, but that's you know where my bias comes from. You'll find that real quick. Uh, I read the journal. I read The Economist. I listen to podcasts. I devour newsletters. I take all these crazy themes that I come up with and plug them into Google Alerts and, and see what they uh, 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 kick out. And I point you to them. I always give attribution. If you want to do the, that reading along with me, great. But I'll do it for you. And uh, I'll tell you that I eat home cooking. All I do is talk about uh, what I invest in, what interests me, and I have no conflicts. But tell me, uh, especially new folks, what are your pain points? Uh, what are problems you'd like me to address at least? Topics I should cover. I'm all ears, and thank you very much. My disclaimer, uh, this is not investment advice. Please conduct and share your own due diligence. This is becoming more interactive with every single week. Spent a lot of time with you on social media this past week, and uh, I want it to continue and grow. So fire away. And you did. Um, and I'll start off with, with uh, GameStop GME. And uh, we, you know, we hit a nerve. Where our, our one video's got 17,000 views now, Mike. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, again, it was more controversial than I guess I thought it was. Because I, what I'm realizing is that uh, I think everybody sees what I see after doing this for 25 years and going through millions of charts. And not everybody does. It's sort of like Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink. There's sort of an instinct where you recognize something and you, and you just you know make a, uh, an assumption and, a, and a, uh, a, de a decision. So here's GameStop again. And I'm just drawing this with, with uh, uh, one week under our belt. And here's the wedge and uh, the, the 212 resistance line. And we're sitting at the bottom of the wedge. And if we break below it, then the, the wedge breaks to the, to the downside. Uh, I know some of you give me a hard time because we haven't hit 212 yet. Well, I, I was very clear. If you break below the wedge, that's completely fine. If you break above it, it's bullish. And if you break above 212, which is kind of a double whammy, if you will, then you're really going north. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's Saturday. There are news events on Monday. We'll see if they come up with something about digital transformation that excites people. And uh, we'll see how we go. And then as soon as I bring up GME, everybody asks about AMC, AMC Entertainment, the movie company, and the movie you know, theater chain. And uh, they're pretty unrelated, except for that they're, they're Wall Street bet stocks. 
and they look very similar. There's the, the, these wedges that I keep talking about, they're all over the place. And AMC is another one. Here, we're sitting at the top of the wedge. The volume's picking up a little. So frankly, it's looking better than when I you know, called it a, a dead cat bounce, that, that was still below the price where, I, where the bounce happened. Um, but the... Uh, my bias here is that the volume picks up a little bit more on the down days versus GameStop where the volume evaporates on the down days. It's like people don't want to sell and because you're, there's so many holders out there, uh, then uh, AMC looks a little bit worse than GameStop, but it looks pretty positive. So it's just a little bit less positive than, than GameStop. And oh, by the way... The, the 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 short interest that everybody points to so much is down to 10 million down from 70 plus uh, on GameStop and if this number's right uh, the short interest on AMC is 73 million which is more than the shares outstanding that could be wrong it could be dated but there's more kerosene to use my my uh, uh, you know an- analogy before with with amc than gamestop so do with that what you will uh, uh just for what it's worth gamestop i uh participate in that only through the xrt the retail etf where it's about four or five percent of uh, gamestop is four or five percent of that on on every giving day just for full disclosure next charlie from texas uh, wrote wrote in uh thanks a lot for another great episode love the episodes lately longer form ones as well as the abbreviated tidbits and uh, I've got a couple questions and, and suggestions below, and the help would be appreciated. Asked about uh, gambling stocks. I'm not going to uh, go through the whole questions. Asked about ETFs and Penn and DraftKings, and here we go. So uh, the, the ETFs that I found that are gambling-related, not uh, gaming and esports, which I participate in through Hero, H-E-R-O, the uh, gaming and esports ETF. This is Roundhill Sports Betting, B E T Z, clever, huh? Um, and it's uh, one of these recurring themes. It's had a big run coming out of COVID. The volume is picking up on the downside and it's rolling over a bit. It looks like a head and shoulders to me. I didn't draw it here, but it looks like it's rolling over. It isn't cataclysmic. Uh, it's again, it's had a hell of a run and it should rest and consolidate more on that later and so the other thing that i recommend you do as soon as you have a new idea uh go to the chart or you have a new suggestion for an idea go to the chart and then go to the fact sheet just google uh you know whatever the symbol is then fact sheet and it comes up with the top 10 holdings and here DraftKings is is the number two name um uh, pen is the number four name and it's about nine percent of the portfolio so if you want to participate, this is one vehicle, and I'll go into those individual names too. Vanek Vector Gaming is the next one, Charlie. BJK Blackjack, again, very clever. Um, and uh, it's very, very similar. You know, it's it's had a big run. Looks like it's getting tired. Looks like there's some distribution going on. The volume is picking up on the on the, the down days. And uh, and then I go to the fact sheet. And here, the, the uh, DraftKings is a bigger piece of the pie, 7 and uh, 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 Penn National is about 3%. So that gives you about 10% exposure to, to um, uh, that particular, uh, those, those stocks within the ETF. So now here's Penn. And this is, you know, the most extreme example of those very similar looking charts. I mean, 
Portnoy sold to Penn, uh, Barstool Sports, and then got crushed. And this stock went down to 375 at the bottom. And we thought the world was coming to an end. And then he became Day Trader Dave, or whatever the hell his name is. Um, and we went from four to 142 in less than a year. Pretty good move, to put it mildly. And now we've settled back into 89. Um, just for what it's worth, to give you, you know, sort of a perspective, and all this is a consensus analyst estimates. They're not mine. Uh, you know, they're going to earn 228 next year, so we're around 30 times the analysts project that earnings grow 40%. So it is not cheap. Uh, it's had a big run, and it looks tired, and it's going to wait around. Uh, I think it's going to consolidate here for a while. I'd be surprised if the earnings released. Uh, which is coming up in another week or so, I believe, uh, if that uh, makes this blast through to new highs. Could, but I, I just it feels tired to me. Um, and so I'm going to take this time to you know, give you my rationale for ETFs versus individual stocks. If you, could, if you have half a billion dollars and you can diversify, then that's great. But um, uh, you know, for smaller amounts of money, I like just identifying... You know, in my case, 10 big themes by the ETFs that best exploit that and then enjoy them, like uranium, which I've been talking about ad, as ad nauseum. Uh, and it takes away the individual stock risk. I mean, if something particular happens to Panda DraftKings, you're obviously going to get whacked and you're also going to enjoy the fruits if, if it works out great. I just like being more diversified via the ETFs. It's my own personal preference, but I want to talk about what you want me to talk about. And if it's individual stocks, then so be it. Uh, the other part of this is, is it goes back to my, my history as, as an analyst and a portfolio manager where you know, we would have, uh, uh, you know, buying individual companies, we would really go into the weeds. I have a, you know, multi-page interview sheet that I developed over the year with some very, very bright mentors. All the questions that I would ask the CEOs and CFOs when I got in front of them and look them in the eye and, and get the, you know, the nonverbal cues that were very helpful. And then I call the suppliers, the customers, the competitors. If I wanted to be fancy, I'd you know build a model that suggested what the company is going to be doing. You know that I think that the, the upside is versus what the street thinks. And you know it's, it was time intensive, but that was all I did. Now I'm doing a lot of other things, and so uh, I and I don't have a half a billion dollars, so I want to. Um, uh, uh, you know, concentrate my time where I can be most impactful. And I think that's via, you know, identifying big groups and themes via the ETFs. And I also want to point out your individual investor advantage. And uh, I know there's this, there's this, there's this um, you know, war between the Wall Street betters and the, and the uh, you know, the street and CNBC. The, I think the individual investor has an advantage. I really do. Um, uh, uh, if you know this, then, then you know, just bear with me for a second. You know, the the standard way that people run money in, in a mutual fund setting, if you will, is there's a PM, there's, an, there's a team of analysts, one's the healthcare person, one's the tech person, and so on. You present ideas to the PM. You're all supposed to do things exactly the same way. You don't. You can't. You have a mandate that you try to adhere to. You go to the left and right of it from occasion. And... Um, and for you know, and you have to have you know some financials. You're never going to be so 
uh, audacious as to say financials are 10%, I'm going to be at zero or 10. You're going to be at seven or 13%. So it's just, uh, you have to fit in a box. You have to uh, uh, watch liquidity. You have to watch uh, turnover. And um, it's just, my point is, you don't have any of those restrictions. All I want to do and all I want you to do is make money this year, every year, and compound that no matter what the market does. And given all the ETFs that are out there, there's ways to do it no matter what happens, in my opinion. So take with that what what, what you will. DraftKings is, is the next one. Um, they're losing money, you know, so they're, 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 they're generating losses. And it just, it's the same kind of thing, Charlie. I think there's a lot of good news priced in. So I'll watch these. I watch the, certainly the ETFs every month. But for me, I think that the, the, we've discounted all this post-COVID recovery and good news. And they got to rest for a while at a minimum. But the opportunity is monstrous. I just think it's a well-known opportunity. But this is from, I believe, Susquehanna saying that we're going to go from online uh, online gaming uh, gambling is going to go from $2 billion to 20 to 40 in 10 years. I mean, it's a monstrous. And it also feeds into the same trend that uh, I note all the time with cannabis is that the states need revenues and legalizing gambling is a very, uh, is a, a, a relatively painless way to generate revenues. You just bring it out of the light, you tax it, and you and it goes into the, into the treasury coffers. So uh, next... What are your thoughts on Dogecoin? Is there room to make legit money there? And I had the knee-jerk response, but before I typed it, I went into Google and I just put in Dogecoin. And this is what comes up. Will Dogecoin reach a dollar? So that's how you're going to make a lot of money is going up to a dollar. Will Dogecoin make me rich is the second one. Is Dogecoin a joke is the third. And then uh, the explanation kicks up. Dogecoin is a joke cryptocurrency that on Tuesday was briefly worth $54 billion. And what I love about these questions is that it puts up my antenna. And so I'm looking at for things that I might not otherwise have looked for. And then the next day, James McIntosh in the Wall Street Journal writes, Dogecoin is a joke, but it's not a laughing matter. And it, then he shows this Matterhorn of a chart, which uh, uh, it was, it was flatlined through most of last year. And this year it's gone from, uh, what, two pennies to 40 cents, something like that. Um you know, and I've, I've talked about this with, in other circumstances before. Parabolas, you know, when they go vertical like that, uh, they... I know, oh, by the way, please go to the YouTube channel if you're listening to this because I have all the visuals that I uh, uh, speak to here when I'm in your earbuds. But anyway, uh, parabolas correct 80% plus. I mean, you just go through the chart book over history and that's what happens. And so uh, we've already come off 40 cents. We're at below 30 and my my guess is that we're going to be below a dime in six months. So I wouldn't touch this thing with a 10-foot pole. It's a joke, literally. And, and uh, uh, there might be trading opportunities very, very short term. But I don't have any support and resistance I can use to even be helpful with that. There could be a greater fool that wants to buy it at 50, 60, 70 cents. But uh, not for me. Not for me. So do with that. You make your own decisions. But that's my my uh, my take uh next asked about you know i call them reopening plays but it was more live event plays partying concerts etc and uh if if you were to create a basket for tickers the great thing is we don't need to create a basket of tickers the etf companies are coming up with this all the time this is the invesco dynamic leisure etf 
uh, PEJ, and uh, it frankly, it looks like the gambling stocks. You know, the 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 decimation that happened last March, April, and then it started discounting uh, through you know the horrible news, and now here we are at at above, well, you know, roughly at the same uh, uh, levels of of pre-COVID. So. Uh, uh, I think the recovery is happening. I think we're all jonesing to go out and do things with other people, uh, myself included. But the market is a great discounting mechanism, and I think we've already discounted much of that recovery in these stocks. So uh, take a look at PEJ and see if there's anything in there that you want to that you want to um, uh, explore or have me talk about further. But right now, um, they're not for me. Thoughts on eToro? Uh, I don't know eToro. Uh, uh, it seems fascinating to me. Seems very crypto centric, uh, uh, you know, an app. But uh, you know, to everybody that's out there, old and new, uh, please send me your feedback. What do you think about eToro? Do you use it? What's the good, the bad, and the ugly? And I'd like to report back and see if it's helpful to uh, to everybody else that we talk to. So. And uh, thanks a ton, as always, to you, Charlie, and uh, all the best, and I'll talk to you soon. Really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I had uh, uh, a great exchange with Ace Klopp on uh, on YouTube, and he goes, uh, no offense, you look like a suit. And uh, those are my words, not his. I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing. Um, yeah, you know, I, I wear the white and the uh, tie because it's a little more slimming. When I, when I did this in a, in a polo shirt, I look like a, you know, an out of shape, uh, golf pro. Anyway, um, I'm, you know, I'm not the establishment. Uh, I don't buy into that whole argument. I'm not a reporter. That's another thing that you mentioned. Uh, these are my takes. And so th- those equal opinions. And I just want to, you know, bring this up, uh, just to, you know, put my two cents in. Uh, you know, this whole uh, taking down the man, uh, the hedge funds are evil. We're going to stick it to Melvin and Citadel and Griffin and, and, and Cohen and all this. You know, uh, they're doing just fine. They slept really well last night. They had a wonderful breakfast and then they went to, to the Mets game. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a romantic notion, but it's, it's a fallacy. Uh, and, but I, I really think this is helpful that that uh, you know the market doesn't care the quote unquote establishment doesn't care what you own what you think about what you own it, it you know it's all you and it's either you're right with the market or you're wrong against it and um, uh, you know I encourage you to adopt that stance I doubt you will but at least entirely but uh, you know this this sticking it to the big hedge funds I think that's uh, January's news. And it's not going to happen again. Um, you mentioned the shorts. The shorts are way down in GME. That's a fact. Even if those numbers are a little inaccurate, they were in essence 70, and now they're down to 10 million. So, yeah, you can squeeze some, but you're not going to surprise anybody. We've had the weekend in Greenwich where every risk manager worth his salt tapped you know, all the analysts on the shoulder and said, hey, if there's any chance of a gamma squeeze going on, get your damn positions down. That's happened. Happened, happened. So... Uh, and I've, I've listened to a, a, you know a three or four podcasts this week where you know there were short sellers on, and they said that's exactly what we did. We you know we we think we're right, we're going to be right, but if we're going to get squeezed in the short term, we're going to uh, adjust our position sizes. People don't sit around like a pinata waiting for you to hit them. So uh, I've beaten that horse dead enough. I, have I done that, Mike? Okay, thanks. Um, 
uh, a fellow on Twitter, I want to say it's Dogeman, I think I've got that right, I can't recall, uh, sort of put it out there for everybody and it caught my eye. Uh, what do you prefer, uh, YOLO for cannabis, uh, Y-O-L-O or MJ, Mary Jane, really clever. Um, and I do what I always do, I go to the chart and I do it with YOLO because I own it and, and then I go to the top 10, in this case the top 3. Um, and it, once again, here's another wedge and uh, you know, YOLO's up something like 70% for us, something like that, in less than a year. So if it, you know, now the fact that it's corrected 20, 30%, I don't care. Um, we're at support here. We're at the bottom of the wedge. So I like it. Here's a little subtlety that I came up with. I didn't put this in the tweet because I found this out afterwards. Uh, and uh, Mary Jane is the next one, cannabis uh, uh, ETF. Again, another wedge looks very, very similar. And stocks move in groups. This is what happens. And if you get the groups right, getting the individual stocks isn't as important as it normally is, which is why I like it so much. Um, what caught my eye here was that the number one uh, name that's held by the ETF is GW Pharmaceuticals, and they're getting taken over. And it's, it's public knowledge. It's out there. Jazz is buying them. And so, you know, the chance of that making a big upside move from here is very, very minuscule. So that's why I think you have the upside with the active management of YOLO, and I prefer it over Mary Jane for those reasons. Uh, uh, Bob from Boston uh, came in. Um, uh, uh, Kevin, just tuning into your YouTube podcast. Love it. God bless you. Uh, I'm doing the same thing with my boys, getting them involved. Forwarded your site to them. I really appreciate that. Uh, I like the simplicity of your approach but with the backing of other research articles, et cetera, uh, to provide the audience with their own opportunities to do some work, good stuff. Uh, this is in the show notes, but Bob, I really appreciate it. And all everybody out there, please share, especially with your, your kids. And that's why I do this. And, and we're starting to catch on and it's very uh, exciting for me. Uh, so here's my take. It's going to be a fun week for GME. I think, I think um, all bets are off if we break down any, anywhere meaningfully. XRT, the retail ETF, is my way to play GameStop. Uh, AMC looks okay, a little better than when I looked at it uh, two or three months ago. Uh, the gambling ETFs look extended and tired to me. Live entertainment is the same. Dogecoin is a joke, and I don't want to be laughing about it, um, so I wouldn't touch it. And um, I prefer YOLO on the cannabis side. And uh, Bob and others, please share with your kids. So thanks. Uh, everybody, please share with your Reddit friends, your Robinhood friends, Wall Street bet friends, uh, and, and send your ideas and stocks, and I'll offer strategy for them as well, and please stay tuned. My themes and groups, I like everything that we, we uh, own. You know, Obviously, we've had some pullbacks, but you, know, you can't complain when you've had you know, Bitcoin go up uh, you know, threefold, and it comes in uh, you know, because of the capital gains news of last week. So uh, everything's intact. I'm watching all my levels. When I invoke my cell discipline, you'll know it. Um, and I'm going to uh, make sure that I don't lose a lot of money. That's uh, you know, one of my big rules. Podcast of the week. I didn't have anything, but then as I was um, um, driving over here, I had in my ear the All In podcast with Chamath Palahapatia, Jason Calacanis, uh, David Freeberg, David Katz. I think I have that right. I hope I do. Um, and they were talking about the, the capital gains uh, tax hike that's proposed by, by Biden. And 
I just it's just a good you know reality check. You know, he proposed doubling the capital gains tax for you know take out the rich people, those making a million dollars plus. And, you know, all these guys said, you know, we're not going to sit here like a pinata either. And it's, it's just it's justifiable. They're going to move to lowest uh, tax states. You can set up a charitable organization where you have to pay out 5%, but then everything inside the charitable organization is tax-free. Uh, it's just, and oh, by the way, it's a, it's a trial balloon. And it's not going to be the number that he came up with. It's going to be lower than that. And so uh, the, the reason I bring this up is that I think that the, the, um, uh, the, the decline we saw in the stock market the minute that hit and the, the big decline we saw in crypto the minute that hit, I think that's going to uh, uh, turn around next week. That's what I think. People are going to be uh, uh, more calm. They're going to do the kind of thinking that I'm doing and say, yeah, let's not get too carried away. This isn't going to be uh, uh, that bad. Reporters of the week. This is um, uh, Taylor Locke uh, on the CNBC website interviewing Mark Cuban. And again, I talk to my sons, like to give them ideas that I think make sense. And uh, this is pretty simple. Uh, you know, Mark, by his own admission, uh, was, uh, you know, a talker. And uh, he had a mentor that pulled him aside and said, you know what? Every time you walk into a meeting at the top of your notepad, I want you to write, listen, because you're not doing it right now. And I think I'm pretty good at it, but it's a, it's a habit that I'm adopting too, because it, it just doesn't hurt to slow down, take in information and, uh, and, and absorb it before responding uh, in kind. I uh, produced this out of the Wall Street Journal this past week. And I just think this is the, a great visualization. There's the the Biden plan, 2.3 billion. With uh, someone's got to uh, buy him a a a, 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 a dictionary because the, the word infrastructure is being is being torn beyond all recognition. It is 2.3 billion dollars, 2.3 billion dollars on all kinds of things. It isn't roads and bridges. It's roads and bridges and everything else he can think of. And then here's the Republican response, which comes in at, at less than 600. So about you know 25 percent of the um, uh, of the Democrats' plan. And so this is Andrew Duran writing, and and this is my interpretation, not his. But I, I appreciate him putting the the visual up here. They're going to meet in the middle. You know, th- this is it's a wish list that that Biden puts out. And so if you're getting all jacked up about the the Biden infrastructure plays, the money's not going to be there the way the the, the headlines state they're going to be there. There's, there's going to be horse trading, there's going to be pork, there's going to be swamps, and and uh, a lot of waste. And uh, But the, the, uh, the chance of that coming out at $2.3 trillion is about zero. They're going to meet somewhere in the middle, and it's the same argument I make with capital gains. It's not going to go from 20 to 39 some odd. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. And so you know, everybody calm down a little bit. So my take is write the word listen when you go into the meetings. And uh, the tax plan, the, the negative impact on stocks and crypto, I think is going to likely reverse this week. So we'll see. Uh, charts and tweets of the week. This is Fidelity's uh, Jury and Timmer. And this is kind of clever. And it came up with another CNBC interview I saw this week. But this looks a lot like coming off the 09 lows, the COVID lows and the 09 lows. And he lays them on top of each other. And it's been, you know, 14 months of pretty much straight up. And it's time for a break. That's all. 
and it, it, it tracks really, really closely. I recommend you going to the YouTube channel and seeing it. So um, back then, it was they were going to the QE1 was ending, and uh, and the market didn't like that. Now I haven't heard anybody say the Fed's going to stop bond buying now, but if they even say anything close to that, we could pull in. And I just think you don't need to sell everything. You don't need to panic. But just know that it's logical that you can have great earnings news like we've had and stocks not do a heck of a lot. And I know it's counterintuitive, but I want to you know, give you the context so that maybe your expectations are, are, are uh, uh, you know, adapted a little bit. Next is Josh Brown. I just like him. And uh, he put out on LinkedIn, yo, what's the dumbest crypto thing I can buy right now? I need to ironically double my money in the next 24 hours. And uh, I put that up, and then I wrote underneath it, please see Dogecoin. So, um, uh, you know, realize what you're dealing with. If you want to gamble, great. Know you're doing it, and do it with a small amount of money. Um, so my take is it's uh, 14 months up is, a, is a, a pretty long time. It's time for a breather. There's some other logical reasons for the timing of this. I'll go into that. And uh, I like Josh Brown. There we go. Newsletters of the week. Bear Traps Report, and there's an old Wall Street adage. If you've heard it, then just bear with me, but sell in May and go away. And you go, and that's a bit extreme. You don't you know, go to 100% cash and then ju- jump back in. But here are the numbers for the Dow Jones since 1950. I can't imagine the other indices are dramatically different than this. But from November to April, you're up 1,200% over that period of time. And from May to October, you're up 27%. So that's 70 years of data since 1950, and it's obviously skewed by Lehman and the 87 crash, which I mentioned, but the performance is really much better in in that November to April time period. So it's April 24th, and get ready for some, some, some softness in at least some sectors of the market. So... My take is uh, at least adjust your expectations. Pay attention to the sell and may go away. Don't do it entirely. But if you have weaker names that are violating the sell discipline, don't waste time getting that dead money out of there. And I think this dovetails with the 2010 analog pretty elegantly. And I thought I'd bring it to your attention. So uh, that's the show. Please uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. And many of you are. And it's growing nicely. And I really appreciate it. The audio is the same, but the charts that I reference are on the screen. Please follow us on Twitter, at Bakestakes underscore, and other social media. Please, please use your voice memo app, tape your questions, and email to bakes at bakestakespodcast.com, or write in if you'd prefer. I'll keep you anonymous if you'd like. Thank you for listening. Mike Wilson is my producer. Thank you very much. Have a great week. This is Bakes, and for much needed levity, this is Jim Gaffigan. Bars are adult playgrounds, and I think it's pretty funny, and I hope you do too, and I'll see you next week. Bye now.